Hello, this is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind with me, psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman. And me, science journalist Marnie Chesterton. This is the podcast where we delve into the psychology of everyday life and answer your questions about human behaviour. Expect fascinating facts, scintillating science, and this might just improve your life. In this episode, we're talking about psychic mediums and asking the question, is it possible to communicate with the dead? How do Ouija boards work and how do seances work? And is there any science behind any of it? I mean, I'm assuming the science might be to do with the nuts and bolts of magic slash trickery. I'm saying nothing, but all will be revealed. As we ask, is there anyone there? Let's get on with the show. So, trying to communicate with the dead is something that's been around for a long time. I kind of associate it with Victorians Yes, around uh, a, a table. Tell us a bit of the history. Well, it's quite an interesting history. So, you have uh, the Fox sisters in the 1840s over in America. These are two young girls, aged about sort of 11, 16, and they basically invent the idea of communicating with the dead and the whole of spiritualism. That's so creative. Very, very creative. Simple ideas. Very creative. Uh, So they they move in to a little house uh, on the outskirts of uh, New York, Rochester, and they get the idea that maybe the house is haunted and what was really novel about their approach is not that there's just a ghost. I mean, they, they go back a long way, but that you can communicate with the ghosts. And so the first thing they, they did one evening was to say, oh, we think there's a spirit here. And the spirit can communicate by rapping like that. Okay, I was yeah. going more run, run DMC. Yeah. Like. Also, that hurt my knuckles a lot more than I anticipated. Uh, so there won't be any more rapping for the rest of this episode. It'll be a lot more sort of like, like that. Okay. And they have this idea that the spirits can rap and uh, send a sign. And so famously, they ask if there's a spirit there, can the spirit copy the girls? And the girls clap their hands together three times. And lo and behold, the spirits... It's all a bit creepy. So word spreads, they can communicate with the spirits. Lots of people turn up and it launches them on this amazing career where they go around America and essentially, as I say, give rise to spiritualism because other people then start to try and communicate with the spirits in other ways. So, for example, you might write all the letters of the alphabet on a big piece of paper and you point to them and the spirit will wrap out uh, a wrap every time you're pointing to the correct letter and that allows you to spell a word. So this really takes off, a huge kind of movement. Eventually, when the girls are much uh, older, middle-aged women, they decide to say the whole thing was a complete fraud. They explain that a lot of it was done with an apple on a string, just bobbing that up and down to create the uh, the wraps. Sometimes, allegedly, by kind of clicking their their joints, although it's not quite clear to me what they were doing. So the whole thing where was, was the apple? The apple was on the end of a piece of string. Where was the yeah? But like, presumably, it had to be hidden somewhere, right? Yeah, I think that is one sister was bobbing this apple and hitting it against floorboards. Oh, okay. Yeah, remember the eighteen forties. So television. Um, this, is, yeah. this is the height of sophistication. Height of sophistication, okay. absolutely. So they say, one says that this is, all, uh, we faked it all. By then, it just didn't matter. Genie was out of the bottle. Everyone was doing this stuff. And the problem became how you sort of did entertaining evenings with this, because even if you're pointing at letters, it can take quite a bit of time to get a message. So the next stage was essentially the Ouija board, 
where you have the upturned glass and you'll put your fingers on it and it shoots around. That's a much quicker way of doing it. And then eventually, the idea of automatic writing, that if you're a medium, you'd start to write unconsciously and get messages very quickly, or you would channel, you'd say directly what the spirits are telling you. I mean, that's clever because that's really fast. It's really fast. So it's so it's almost like market forces driving uh, <laughs> the, these ideas forward. The people are going, yeah, we've had enough now spelling out messages. That takes a bit of time. How about the next evolution of it? So that, that's kind of talking to the dead. It all comes from these two girls in uh, Rochester. Wow. And, and we've had a listener question about visiting a medium from Dave Hudson. who says, after my dad died, I spoke to two different mediums. One was a very weird and pretty unconvincing experience. But the second person I saw just knew things about my dad that they couldn't have found out. How could they have known these personal details? Even if it isn't true, I found the whole experience very comforting. Oh, well, that's interesting. So we're going to talk about some of that in another episode on psychics because that's very, very similar to, to mental mediumship where you're getting those messages and some of the, the tricks of the trade that are used. I do find that last comment really interesting. So I think it, it speaks to this very human um, experience, which is that when you've lost a loved one, the idea that they're still around you and that you can communicate with them and that maybe if they died suddenly that you can send one final thing that you didn't have a chance to, to say to them or that they can speak to you. There's an enormously appealing idea. So I, I, I completely get it from a sort of psychological stance. I mean, from a from a evolutionary biology stance, I think there's a lot of work suggesting that we're, because we're really social animals, it takes a lot to convince us that when someone's left the group that they've actually gone mm -hmm. because we invest a lot in in relationships it's it's so important to us so it it takes a lot you you can see why people would be like okay they're dead they're dead but are they really yes. gone and we have a sense of other people around us. We're very sensitive to cues. And, and so the notion that there's somebody or something still around us, uh, you can see that from an evolutionary perspective. So, so that's, that's what's called mental uh, mediumship. And it's very similar to some of the psychic um, stuff. What I was really interested in is what's called physical mediumship. And so this is where the spirits make their presence known by moving objects, normally in a totally dark room. And the Victorians really got into this. No, I can get into this. This sounds good. So I, I love doing it. So in fact, there's a couple of objects here that um, I, I brought across. One you have over there, which is the maraca. Yeah. I've... That's the maraca. It just makes this podcast a party. I don't know why. What, so what, what, what's this, this for, really? This has been used, thank you. This has been used in, I would have thought, a couple of hundred of our seances. So I read all these books on Victorian seances, particularly books by magicians, where they outline the methods. And I thought, my goodness, wouldn't it have been incredible to be able to turn back time and give people that experience and see if these methods still work? And so I got objects, I like the maraca, um, and we put luminous, and still see somewhere on this maraca, luminous paint on these objects and the uh, school slate has got some little dots on that as well at the edges. And so you come in, you sit around the table, normally 10, 15 of you, uh, somebody like myself would play the role of the medium and everyone around the table is playing the role of the, the sitters. And you have a candle in front of you, the objects with the luminous paint are across the table. And you talk to people about creepy stuff. And then eventually you blow out the candle. And it puts the room into complete darkness, which we are not used to. We are not used to being in a, a room where you cannot see your hand in front of your face. 
and you suddenly feel very vulnerable. And it definitely feels creepy. Even all these years on, with all this technology and so on, it definitely feels creepy. And you summon the spirits. And remember, we've always told people, I've never lied to anyone, this is a reconstruction. We're never claiming anything uh, genuine. But you summon the spirits and you ask them to make their presence known. And it's sort of the opposite of a magic show. You go to a magic show, you want amazing effects. Here, as soon as it goes too much, people go, that's ah, a magic trick. Yeah. But if in complete darkness, when everyone's there concentrating on the spirits, you just see the maraca move a tiny amount, it freaks people out. People go mad for it. So it's very, very kind of weird. Uh, there's all sorts of other things you can do. What do you do with the, the chalkboard, the well, slate? Well, the, the, the thing with this, um, often if there's somebody sitting opposite, which you happen to be sitting opposite, uh, you can place it under the table and ask the person just to hold the other end. I don't know if we can do that. Can you put your hands under it? Oh, I got this. We're quite oh, a long way away. Oh, yes, oh, that's, yes. You got yeah, it. yeah, got it. Uh, okay, and you, okay. you hold on to it, actually. Okay. Yeah, you got it. So you would do that. You'd ask for a, a message from the spirits. Uh, we'd ask maybe to you know, ask a question, then answer it, and, and so on. And then we'd light the candle, you'd take out the slate, and on a good day, you'd get a, a message from the uh, spirits. Ah! <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> so this blank slate has got boo written on it. <laughs> oh! So, <laughs> it shows you the power <laughs> Sorry, that's me gone. That is, um, wow. I'm so sorry to do that no, to you. No, that was basic, but very effective. <laughs> so so what's what's lovely about that, is, <laughs> and, and, and that, that is a genuine Victorian effect. That's the sort of thing they would do. That's genius. So very, very simple ideas, uh, oh. but in the dark, quite fooling. But the big thing that the Victorians were using were stooges, which magicians don't use very much at all, which is that in complete darkness, when you're holding hands... Oh, this is the other thing. It's when we're doing it. We suddenly realise why some of these rituals are here. You see, the problem is, if you're doing magic tricks in the dark and you've got 20 people around the table, you don't know what they're doing. People could be reaching out. They could be standing up. It's, right, it's a nightmare right. because you can't tell. However, you do the thing that Victorian mediums did in order to summon the spirit energy Let's all hold hands. Genius. Now so you just you control know, 20 people around brilliant. the table. Yeah. And we say, you know, do not break the chain. It'd be dangerous and so on. Everyone is controlling everyone else. I know everyone's hands are on that, that table. So uh, one of the things we can talk about in terms of method is that often the Victorian mediums would have somebody creeping around in the, in the darkness. And so we did a bit of that. It turns out that creeping around in total darkness is quite challenging because you've got no reference points at all. And, and so you can see the luminous objects, but you don't really know how far they are. You don't really know whether people are in your way or not. And the very first time we did it, it was Matt, my research assistant at the time, creeping around. He did a good job of scaring people. And then he couldn't find his way to the secret <laughs> hiding place. <laughs> so he's panicking, but he can't <laughs> say anything. And so... Uh, There's a lot of crashing suddenly. And so, and this, was, this was a very early seance with uh, Andy Nyman, a very good friend of mine, and uh, magician, actor, and writer. And so Andy was the, the medium. Andy didn't know that was happening with Matt. So he lit the candle. The room is lit up. And there's Matt just feeling his way along. <laughs> on a wall as 20 people look up in disbelief. <laughs> it's a miracle. It's a Where miracle. Is it, a man's materialised. Uh, so that, 
was that was good. And then the worst one I ever did was that if you leave even the tiniest of slit in the curtains or something like that, even like a pinprick, you know that about 15 minutes in, everyone will get light adapted. And honestly, you can see really well. Right. So the stooge who's hiding in the, the dark bit, it's already dark adapted. So they come out, they can see that pinpoint of light. Yeah. Then basically, they send me a signal if I'm the medium. And I know nothing's They're going to go back to the hiding place and nothing's going to happen, basically. And we did one seance, and I won't say who it was, two or three celebrities who'd come along just to see this famous seance, this thing they'd heard about. We do it very rarely. Oh, my goodness, this is incredible, so exciting. And the stooge comes out, taps me twice, which is, says there's a pinpoint, a pin, pinprick of light, so nothing's going to happen. And I'm looking down the barrel of about 35 minutes with these people sitting there knowing absolutely nothing is going to happen. Oh. And nothing happened. Oh, very painful. Yeah, very, very painful. But that builds towards people going, oh, well, you know, it doesn't happen every time, therefore. Yeah, you try explaining that when they've come along to see you. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was difficult. Uh, but it's great. So, so even nowadays, it's so creepy when you blow out that candle and, and, and you just start to speak into the darkness and you ask the spirits to join you. And I think it's testament to Victorians understanding psychology, understanding how vulnerable we feel. And that the smallest of things, you then start to think, oh my goodness, maybe, maybe the spirits are here. So it's, it's an amazing experience. You're listening to Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. And this episode, we're talking about communicating with the dead. The Ouija board. Yes. How's that work? A lot of experiments into this. Michael Faraday did a lot of early experiments into the Ouija boards, and essentially. So with the Ouija board, you'll put your finger uh, on the upturned glass and it spells out a word. With table tipping, very similar, you have a small table, you put your fingertips on it and the table will start to tip and sometimes move around the room. I've done these many, many times. It's the best evening ever. It's great. The psychology of it is what's called idiomotor action, which is that what you don't realise is that you are subtly pushing with your fingertips on the glass or the table. With a group of people, you might do it with six, seven people, they're all pushing and pulling in different directions, and so the thing doesn't move at the beginning. But at some point, they'll all unconsciously move in the one direction, and then that thing shoots across the, the glass, shoots across the Ouija board, or the table suddenly tips. With the Ouija board, as soon as it starts to spell out a word, people can quickly figure out what the word is, and so they're then unconsciously pushing towards the letters that you need to complete that word. So it's called idiomotor action, and it's really interesting. And for reasons that I will explain, because I've got a little experiment. Oh, I love an experiment. Just for you. Now, are you, some people are very good at idiomotor action, some people, nothing. Have you ever tried this pendulum stuff before? No, no, no. Oh, I'm, okay, all right. I've never heard of idiomotor Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All I will say is the people who are good at this um, tend to be very imaginative and intelligent. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so you're you're either, I don't know, buttering me up or, or lining me up for a fail. Not at all. So I put <laughs> a very sophisticated pendulum. Okay. I put a key on the end of a uh, piece of thread. Okay. If you hold it over the middle of that cross, okay. that's good. It'll stop spinning around. And you just imagine the key moving from side to side, from left to right. Don't physically move it in your own, don't actually move it, but just imagine it swinging from side to side. Okay. That's very good. Wait. And so now you can see it's starting to move from side to side. Ooh. Okay, so I've got, I've got this key dangled over 
uh, four arrows, sort of points of a graph. Yeah, we're going to use the other two a bit later on, but now we're just going left to right. Okay, so, so that's great. Just left to right is no, no, and up and down is yes. Yes, don't yes. worry about that for the okay, minute, but fine. just imagine it moving left to right. So just look at the, that's great, fantastic. See it's starting to move there. Don't fight it when it happens. Just allow it to move left to right, swinging one way. Look at that, see? And now it's starting to move. But I'm not doing anything. That's right. That's the spirits oh. holding on to the key and just pushing it left to right. And now, if you like, you can imagine it sort of spinning more in a circle rather than one way or the other. So it starts to spin in sort of a circular fashion. I'm still not doing anything. Oh, there we are. That's good. And now it's starting to go a little bit more okay. circly. Yeah. Is this happening because you're suggesting? Mm, What's yes. going on? Basically, you've been possessed. Oh, by an evil spirit? How do I find it? Well, I, I didn't want to say, but the, the, the signs are all there. So uh, this is this is weird. So you're suggesting a thing. So I, the, the, the key on the end of the thread moves left to right or mm -hmm. moves around in a circle. And then I'm just holding it. Yeah. And then it seems to do... And because you're, you're imagining that movement without you realising it, you're producing that movement in your arm and hand and creating the movement of the key. So it's, it is a good test of suggestibility. And if you focus on it moving left to right or moving left to right and then focus on it moving in a circle as it is now, then it'll be more of a circle. Oh, that's good. It's good, isn't it? So this means I'm kind of suggestible. A sentence made more accurate by dropping the word kind of. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, so that's been around a long, <laughs> a long, long time. A long time. I am a stooge. <laughs> I'm a patsy. You can, put, you can put it down for a second because oh, otherwise your arm will get, yes. The next evolution of that, and this is some research by uh, Ron Rensing, who's a, a colleague, and um, it's, a, it's a lovely idea. Their idea was that maybe you can use this to tap unconscious knowledge. So the idea is that this is an unconscious movement. So there's stuff you know consciously, there's stuff you know unconsciously, this taps the unconscious, so maybe you can get it to, to tell you what's going on in your unconscious. Does this tap the unconscious, though? That's what we're about to find out. I mean... <laughs> so the okay. question is, how do you test that? Because it's such a crazy idea. It's a great mm. idea. And their, their thought was to ask people whether they knew the answers to yes or no general knowledge questions. Okay, I'm loving this already. When the person said, I don't know... Then you hold up the key and you see whether it swings one way for yes or the other way for no, and you find out whether that's the correct answer or not. So it's a lovely way of trying to get at unconscious knowledge. So here's my question to you. Shall I get, shall I get the key ready? Get the key, yes. Okay. Uh, I've got a few questions because you may consciously know the answers to these. Do you know how many elements are in the periodic table? Oh, I mean, 120. Mm. Okay, so you're not you're not certain. Not certain. Okay, so we're looking for a yes or no here to the statement: Are there 118 elements in the periodic table? So don't worry about it. Don't worry about the question or anything. We're just looking for that key, either going up or down, which would be a yes, or side to side, which would be a no. So don't try and swing. Just let it let it happen, and then you can decide because you can probably see the movement a bit better than me, which way that's going. Oh, oh, it might be doing a yes. It is doing a yes, I think. So you're going with a yes. Going with a yes. Which is correct. Yay! One more. 
See, I would have done so much better at A-level chemistry if I'd done it this way. <laughs> okay. So do you know which country has the longest coastline in the world? No. Okay. You think you don't? I think I don't. Okay, here's the question. Does China have the longest coastline in the world? Don't worry about it. Let your unconscious filter through and just tell me once you've got a, a movement from the magic key. Oh, I've got movement. Hmm? It's going no. You're correct. It's Canada. So it's a, and that's exactly what they found in the experiment, which is when people weren't certain. Wow. You could answer this question and the key gave you some quite accurate answers. <laughs> Which is crazy. Normally when you do these tests on me, I fail them quite badly. Yes. So I'm, I'm now beginning to believe that there is a secret world that you've tapped into. I think it's, a, it's a great idea. I love it. Uh, this is potentially me much smarter than I actually am, as long as I've got a key and a bit of paper and some thread. Oh, what's, what's lovely about it is you then start to re-examine all those seances because you think maybe it's people coming out with information from their unconscious that they wouldn't know. It might be the name of somebody or something like that. Unconsciously, they do know it, um, but they don't realise they know it. And then they're spelled out on a Ouija board, and that's an amazing experience, and it's coming from their unconscious. So then the final bit of it all is automatic writing which I, I've never done, I've never seen anyone else do, but the idea is that you go into a trance and you can scribble quite complicated messages from, from the spirits. Uh, so Pearl Curran, who started in uh, 1913, started to channel Patience Worth, and she produced, uh, the next 25 years, 5,000 poems and several novels. And Patience Worth was allegedly from the 17th century. Uh, spirit would take her over and then she would scribble away. So, so the psychology is interesting. So Dan Wegner, who we've spoken about on a few episodes, actually, he was interested in this psychologist. And his argument was it tells you a great deal about consciousness. So his thought was your brain is in charge of everything. Your brain sends a signal to say, write a sentence. And just before it does that, it sends another signal to give you the impression that you have created that sentence. So you have the feeling of, I've just had an idea for a sentence, and then you write it. He thinks that's how it all kind of works, all driven by the brain. Brain uh, goes, right, I'm going to write this sentence. But before that, here's a signal to give you the impression of free will. With automatic writing, the free will one isn't being sent. So people are just writing stuff straight from their brain without the feeling of free will. Oh, and that's it. So he, that's really interesting. So, so he said this, this, what looks like a little parlor trick, actually tells you a huge amount about the way in which the brain manufactures free will. That's his argument. And this is why I love the paranormal stuff. Huge amounts of psychology. It's about being fooled by a magic trick, uh, about the key in the unconscious, about idiomotor action, about free will and automatic writing. So we start out with this kind of odd idea about talking to the dead and end up talking about quite interesting psychology stuff. Can we ever fully prove or disprove that it's possible to communicate with the dead? No. I think, well, I suppose you could prove it possibly. There's been lots of attempts of people saying, um, setting up a code with their partner and, and then saying when they pass away, they'll send that code. But it's really difficult to know that is a message from the dead versus they just happened to mention it to somebody and that got through. Or what's called super ESP, which is that they thought of the code and sent it to their partner whilst they're alive and the partner didn't realise 
until afterwards. So there's a kind of parapsychological explanation for rather than a survival explanation, if that or, makes sense. Uh, yeah, if the code is something like your telephone number or... Yeah, sometimes you'll set a combination padlock and give it to a partner and the idea is you send that number back, which would be quite handy because I've got one I can't open at the minute. <laughs> but um, it's something that people really want to know about. People love it. People Just... absolutely love it. And it speaks to very human concerns about mortality. When, when I started a science programme where we asked for listeners' questions, the, one of the first ones we got was, is there life after death? We tried to make a programme about this and just put in lots of caveats saying, OK, this is the limit of what science currently knows. And then people emailed complaining that we hadn't answered the question. Um, so we had another go at it. And I spoke to Susan Blackmore. Yes, it was great. Sue got me into the whole field. I, I was uh, sorry, uh, 16, 17, something like that. And in my head, it was about proving or disproving whether people were psychic or whether you could speak to the dead. And I didn't find that very interesting. And then I turned on the TV, and I think it was an open university program, and there was Sue talking about belief in this stuff, why people believe and why people have these experiences, not whether the experiences were genuine evidence of uh, survival and so on. And it just blew my mind because she thought, oh, my goodness, now I can do research. Now that's interesting. So Sue is the catalyst for me getting involved in all this stuff. And I've probably spoken, uh, I may have spoken about it before, but it's a phenomenon in psychology called inattentional blindness, where people attend to one thing and don't see a, a bigger picture. Oh, this this is the gorilla um, in the back of a video of people passing the ball. That's right. That's ruined it for everyone. Oh, sorry. Um, so, <laughs> but yes, that, that's the one. That's Dan Simons, and it's, it's been around for a while, so I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. But yes, you focus on the basketball, you don't see the gorilla. The... That experiment was originally carried out in the 1950s and 60s by a friend of mine dressing up as a ghost and running around in Cambridge. <laughs> he, was, he was a believer, good friend of mine, Tony Cornell. He believed this stuff and he couldn't understand why more people weren't reporting ghosts. And he thought maybe they're just not noticing them. <laughs> that's, that's, it's, this is my favourite thing, is how people who investigate this come up with experiments. Absolutely. And that's an entirely logical sequence Absolutely. of things that leads to something ridiculous. Absolutely. Man in a sheet running absolutely. around Cambridge. Yeah, absolutely. And Tony was great. I loved him to bits. No longer with us, unfortunately. Um, but he dressed up in a sheet and ran around Cambridge and no one really noticed him. So then, during a, he went to a cinema and while they're showing a film, he ran across the stage and back again and no one <laughs> noticed him there. So it turns out that he was doing cutting-edge research into inattentional blindness dressed as a ghost. That's wonderful. And it's only later on in psychology that we look back and go, oh, my goodness, this was really important This stuff. was a, This guy was pioneering. This, uh, pioneering. I just thought he was an idiot. That's, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, you know, this is, there's, there's a lot of stuff to be unpacked with the paranormal. So what can we say in conclusion uh, when talking about communicating with the dead? Well, I think we should be broaden out. We, we say that it's important to keep an open mind, that it's reflecting fundamental aspects of the human condition, that these seemingly strange phenomena actually have got some psychology behind them, whether it's free will or our imagination running riot or it's the unconscious and idiomotor action, and that we should always be open, if we're going to progress in our science, to all this strange stuff. Yeah, I love the idea that looking at some of these phenomena has led to a theory of how our brains might work. And we also know you're quite suggestible and scared by the word boo. <laughs> I mean, let's gloss over that. Yes. Thank you, Richard. That was really good. 
From Podomo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podomo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod. Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. You can also email us at WisemanPod at Podomo.com. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends, leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer? Although it does help others find us. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.